afternoon, everybody. It is a Wednesday filled with baseball and basketball. We have for baseball uh, an afternoon slate, an evening slate, I guess we call it. There's an afternoon slate, a main slate, then a slate in between them somehow because there's games spaced out all throughout the day. And of course, we've got two highly pivotal NBA playoff games, which we're going to be breaking down right now, talking about the no house advantage contest and some of the props that are up for tonight. Two games. We have game six. Oh, game five, my mistake. Game five between the Celtics and Bucks. The series is tied at two. And then game six between the Golden State Warriors and the Memphis Grizzlies. Golden State has a chance to win the series tonight, become the first team to move on to the East slash Western Conference Finals. They would be taking on the winner of the Suns and the Mavericks. Suns currently up 3-2 in that series. Terry, what is going on with you? Same old, pal. It's a uh, busy day writing about some baseball, taking care of some customer support issues in the morning, and then uh, jumping feet first into basketball for the first time since we did this show last week. So it uh, should be a fun one. We'll tear through some of these. And uh, yeah, it's been a good playoff so far. You know, definitely some enjoyable games, some weird situations going on. But uh, yeah, we'll talk through everything here. Have you, uh, wh- which series have you watched, if any, is there one series you watch more than the other ones? I, more in the Eastern Conference games where they're just on earlier in the night. So, like, I finish up with baseball and I can jump into the beginning of some of those games. Plus, I've got buddies who are Sixers fans and uh, Celtics fans. So, just through natural, you know, a lot of text messages and stuff like that, I'll jump in and out of those games. So, the Eastern Conference games are the ones I've seen more of uh, over the last couple of weeks. And just the DFS-wise, the, the two-game slates just don't interest me that much on FanDuel and DK. So, I just haven't been playing that much. Yeah. Uh, so... It's fun. It depends. There's there's certain ones. Like to me, if I'm doing live before lock, I kind of just feel obligated to put lineups in, even if I don't like the slate. But my favorite slate recently was one we got a couple days ago when the Grizzlies played against the Warriors, and it's going to be pertinent for today's slate. And Steven Adams ended up starting at center for for the for the Grizzlies. Steven Adams for that slate, Terry, he was two percent owned on FanDuel at four thousand as a starting center for a two game slate, and then on DK. He was 7% on a 3,200. So that slate I loved because nobody played Steven Adams and I, and I, and I swapped him into more than half my lineups. So I did really well that night. So like there are some little places to find edges on these two game slates, but spots like that don't happen all that frequently. Good news that does happen over at no house advantage is you and I have constantly been able to point out that there are some players with very, very mispriced props and those are some of the ones we're going to be starting with here in the Milwaukee Bucks against the Boston Celtics game. Celtics five and a half point favorites. Also, if you look at the betting splits on this game, it's pretty wild because there are way more bet tickets on the Bucks. So the public is all over Milwaukee, but the sharp money much heavier on the Celtics. Because I was looking at some of the DraftKings splits. So get this: the ticket volume is like seventy percent of the tickets are on the Bucks, but the dollars is like seventy percent on the Celtics. So that's a pretty good split of telling you where the bigger money tickets are going or the smaller money tickets are going. So uh, I would hope that plays in my favor because uh, as most people know by now, I'm a pretty big Celtics backer in the playoffs. I'm sitting on some Celtics futures. And I think there's some good value to be had on the Celtics when it comes to the house advantage, starting with these crazy props for Derek White. And I like Derek White as a real life player. I think he's a really good backup guard, but here's the key backup guard because you look at the numbers that we have projected for him on no house advantage where he is props like pra 20 and a half points and assists 16 and a half assists four and a half we have to like the unders on this don't we terry 
I think so. That's how it's projecting out on our board. We're basically, it, it's another one of those situations like we've talked about what you were just referencing, where a lot of these guys are priced against their season long averages. They're see, you know, what they did uh, in the regular season, Derek white for the regular season, 29.3 minutes per game, put up a 21.6 PRA on the average. That's, that's over. That's comfortably over by a point, right? For the playoffs, he's averaging 27.7 minutes over the last three games, putting up 13.1. We've got him projected today at 20.6 so i mean the minutes concern right there is really what you're what you're targeting 99.55 percent probable to go under on that 20 and a half pra i think we're pretty comfy for a guy who's averaging 13-1 in the playoffs on his pra yeah and i mean right across the board you've got Derek white 20 and a half pra we've got that hitting the under 99.5 percent of the time points plus 616 and a half we have that hitting 97 percent of the time assists to four and a half we have that hitting the under 95.8 percent of the time here's where i think these numbers have gotten to be a little skewed it's because of the marcus smart injury so we had two games ago or three games ago marcus smart was injured misses the game Derek white starts in his place and then we had uh two games ago Derek White ended up playing off the bench because Marcus Smart then came back on foul trouble, 14-2-2. We did see last game Derek White play 34 minutes off the bench and then up putting up 11 points, four rebounds, and three assists. So I think one thing we do have to keep an eye on here is what is the status of Robert Williams? Because if Williams isn't able to play, uh, there's a chance the Celtics just go smaller and play sentiments for Derek White. One other thing that was an extenuating circumstance in that game, Jalen Brown got into foul trouble and only played 32 minutes. If this game is competitive, Jalen Brown's going to play north of 40 minutes because here's the minutes allotment for the other core guys for the Celtics last time out. Tatum played 42. Marcus Smart played 42. Marcus, uh, Al Horford played 42. Marcus Smart played 41 and a half. So then we start to say like, all right, if Jalen Brown didn't get into that foul trouble, he's also right in that neighborhood of playing 41 to 42 minutes. And those 10 minutes are probably coming from Derek White. The point being here, though, is either way, the numbers are so inflated for White. He played 34 minutes last game and he put up 18 PRA. The number here is 20 and a half. Like, it's really hard to find a reasonable way for him to be over that number. So this is one of the most, conf- kind of, con- one sorry, of the most confident picks on the board. Yeah, I was just going to dive in with, let's say we do get that Williams news where, uh, you know, he's unable to go or maybe, you know, they're expecting him to be limited minutes, something like that. And we're saying, all right, maybe White picks up a few additional. We've got him projected at 20.6. If we're saying 24 minutes, I still think that's maybe not, it's not nearly the 99 percenter, but it's certainly targetable in those, like probably drops into like the seventies, maybe high sixties. So I think it's still targetable for that under, like you said, in 34 minutes, he didn't get to this line the other day. Yeah. So, I I mean, that's, right where I'm at also is you could give Derek White some extra minutes. You're not going to be getting him to the, you're not going to be getting him to the, uh, to the mark where he's at expected for over 20 and a half PRA. So that's going to look like a good under no matter what. Something else to keep an eye on potentially is some of these Daniel Tice unders, because if Robert Williams is out, Tice could be in the rotation and play extended minutes. As of right now, we haven't projected for zeros across the board, uh, but I would not, touch them if Derek if uh if Robert Williams is out just because we saw from and by the way Daniel Tice sucks but I mean you got 11 minutes out of him last game and even in 11 minutes you know I wouldn't feel great about saying taking like an under two and a half rebounds for a, a big man who's just capable of rebounding I mean there's always the chance that you know if he's out on the court the ball could just fall into his hands by virtue of being a large man standing around the basket two and a half times so I do think that if you if you have some reasonable expectation of him playing those are maybe 
going to become targetable, but it's a little bit thin and it's right now not sitting that way. So it's difficult to say, yeah, go target that one when we do have some, uh, you know, things sitting in the nineties and, uh, and above uh, percentage wise. So I do agree with the, the theory and uh, we'll, that one will swing on the news there. Yeah. And as for the rest of the, uh, the Celtics here, is there anything that stands out to you? Uh, let me sort over to uh, just Boston stuff here. Um, with the white one, just real quick, the fragility, if we do expect more minutes, I would see maybe more fragility around like the lone assists, the lone points one rather than the PRA. So just to clean that up, like I would think that the PRA is the one that remains strong, even if you're giving them a few additional minutes, kind of like what we were saying with Tice, we've got him projected right now at 2.14 assists and the line is four and a half. So it's just a guy who's going to have the ball in his hands a little bit. If he's out there for those additional four or five minutes, maybe he does get there just by virtue of that's his position. And that's what he's supposed to be doing so that one would become a little bit more fragile uh taking a look at the board we've got tatum rebounds uh the under sitting at 78 percent. i don't love dropping immediately down into the 78 range but if we're looking at jason tatum projected for 40.8 minutes seven and a half i don't know that seems i'm kind of surprised that one's sitting that high he was a eight rebounds per game performer in 35.9 minutes per game in the regular season. Um, taking a look, I can jump over to the playoffs for Tatum here real quick. So far for the playoffs, he's averaged 41 and a half minutes and he's putting up a rebounding total of just 5.1. So maybe that's where the, uh, the concern comes from, but it's, it's a little bit thin, maybe a little bit fragile around that one for me, just for a guy who, you know, is a capable rebounder and has done it on the average throughout the regular season, just not what he's doing in the playoffs. So maybe that one's a little thinner uh, in my confidence there. Yeah. And once again, thin ones, we don't really have to worry too much about when it comes to NHA, because something that we've seen a lot of when we do these and not just this one particular slate, it's, Every single time you and I have done a no house advantage show, there are just a, a multitude of props that ended up having, you know, 90 plus 80 plus percent chances of winning. So generally, once we get into like the 80s, it, it seems weird to be like this. This prop is an 80 percent chance of winning. Therefore, I have no interest in it. But that's kind of where we're at with some of these NHA ones yeah. relative yeah. to the our Horford, projections. The Horford rebounding over looks a little bit stronger to me at 86 percent. Right. We're, we're yeah. well into the 80s at that one. And it looks it's one that looks off in the other direction. We've got him projected at nine point eight, six rebounds. He's averaging like nine and a half in the playoffs. We've got him projected at 35 minutes and the line's only seven and a half. So that one seems like a good confidence one. And especially if you get those, uh, you know, some bumps and bruises around uh, around Williams in the front court, just a little bit more for Horford to do potentially. So I think that one's a pretty high confidence one. Yeah, and, and once again, just to back that up and to also reiterate something I said before, however, played 42 minutes last game. If, if we're getting Robert Williams out and then we're getting, you know, 42 minutes out of Al Horford, that over seven and a half rebounds looks all that much stronger. Uh, so let's move on to the other side of the game when it comes to Milwaukee Bucks, where they're on the road. They're playing Boston. Boston, by the way, terrific, terrific defense. This is, in my opinion, the best defense in all of the NBA for the regular season. They did finish second in the NBA in defensive efficiency, so it's not like it's that far off, but this is also a team that got off to a pretty slow start and then really came on in the second half of the season. So I do consider them to be the best defense in the NBA. And something else that's... Lose Greg? Uh, we lost Greg Terry on today's right. show. Now it's just you. <laughs> 
That's perfect. Uh, so we'll do away with a lot of the narratives about some of these games that I haven't really been watching all that much. And, uh, you know, I'm going to open an honest guy with you guys. I'm going to tell you when I'm watching these games and when I'm not. So we're just going to play with some of these numbers until Greg comes back to fill us in around the edges. Taking a look at the Bucs, I'm, I'm kind of drawn toward the top of the board there with Bobby Portis. His PRA is sitting at a 25.5 line. We've got a yeah, good. Yeah, it was it was funny. So I was talking, and then you froze, and your eyes were closed. I was like, "Oh my god, did Terry fall asleep? Did I freeze? Did he freeze? <laughs> what happened?" But uh, it, it's weird because I don't know. Like my internet's fine right now, but it's just a, I think it's just a Zoom thing because it happens. I don't know once or twice a week. Yeah, we're yeah, just kind of gets mucked up. But like I'm on my other, com- I'm on. I've got multiple computers in front of me looking up information, so everything goes fine. And then just the uh, the what was the last thing I said before I cut out? Uh, it was a perfect tee up. I forget what it actually was, but it was like a segue <laughs> sentence. Like the thing about that is, and you just dropped out like right before being able to fill All in the right. about the thing about whatever it was. You were talking about the Celtics defense. Yeah. Uh, and I took that to lead into the Bobby Portis under up okay. at the top of the board on the PRA. And I was just about to dive into that. Yeah. So the Celtics defense, I was going to say has been really good this year. And then especially in the second half of the season, uh, long cause once again, I don't know where I cut off, but either way, the, the point that I was going to make about the box is with the amount of workload that this is forced on Giannis and drew holiday with Chris Middleton out of the mix, it's been a disaster in the, in the stretch of some of these games last game, for instance, drew holiday and by the people are tweeting online, like, Oh my God, drew holidays. So good. He's having such a good game. And then by the end of the game, people are like drew holiday sucks in the playoffs is one of the worst. He, he ended up missing. If, if I'm not mistaken, he missed his final seven shots of the game and went two of 12 from the field in the second half. And it's just, he has to work so hard for his buckets because that Celtics defense is so good. And they don't have Middleton. They don't have another shot creator. You've got two guys in Giannis and Holiday that create their own offense, and they have to do everything against the best defense in the NBA. So that's something that's definitely been a strain on those guys and something that wears on me when I'm looking at some of these numbers. So I was going to say that there are some overs that look kind of okay for Giannis, for instance, but I'm inclined to not want to touch them just because I've seen how fatigued it looks like him and Holiday are getting down the stretch of these games. Yeah, it's weird to, to say about this team, but it seems like you know kind of a flawed construction, particularly going up against a stout defensive unit like this. So I agree with you there. That's that's kind of interesting. And when you're talking about those overs, I mean, Drew Holiday, three-pointers, sitting at a, just a 75%er with a one-and-a-half. Giannis, five-and-a-half assists. We've got to project it at seven. That's a 73%er for the playoffs so far this season. If we pull up Giannis's playoff board, we can take a look here real quick as I'm stumbling over it, trying to pull it up here. For the playoffs, Giannis is averaging seven assists on the nose. So I think that one's perfectly viable. And we're talking about going to the best player or one of the best players in the league, depending on how you break it down. I'm always comfy in doing that, particularly when it's an over. But just by the probabilities, we've got so many stronger ones on the board that a lot of the advantage on NHA slates is going to some of these just like secondary players, these end of the bench guys who are going to get a couple of minutes and just playing those super strong probabilities or playing guys for the overs that are in a new role or going up against a line that's just not uh, effective. So I think this is more, you know, probably don't need these picks. They're probably good. They're probably going to come through, but we don't necessarily need, you know, the, the six high sixties, low seventies ones. So it's just an interesting uh, configuration for the, uh, for the way that NHA comes together. here. Yeah. And then the other thing on Bobby Portis to keep it on as of right now, those unders look really good. I would not be surprised though, if he ends up starting today, And if that's the case, then we have to reassess those projections. Here's why I bring that up. So the Milwaukee Bucks, they were starting Bobby Portis early in this series. First two games, they win game one starting Bobby Portis. 
then they lose game two. So they react to losing game two by saying, you know what? We just lost the game. We want to switch things up. Grayson Allen is starting over Bobby Portis. And what happens? They win the game. And they say, you know what? This worked well. Bobby Portis sticks in the bench roll. Grayson Allen starts. And then they lose game four. I mean, it seems like they've reacted pretty significantly to some of these wins and losses. Not the first time they've done this in the playoffs, by the way. Because uh, we also saw this in the Chicago Bulls series, Terry. Game one, Bobby Portis comes off the bench. They win. Game two, Bobby Portis comes off the bench. They lose. What do they do? They start Bobby Portis in game three. So just based on some of these trends here, it seems like the Bucks lose a playoff game. They immediately change their starting lineup. So I would not be surprised if Bobby, Port- Bobby Portis ends up starting. So uh, once again, you could change your lineup that you have over on No House Advantage. But just be aware that if you're playing Bobby Portis and taking the unders there, you might want to have to readjust later in the day if yeah. he ends up starting. Other than that, I think we've covered this game pretty good now. Yeah, I think so. And I'm totally with you on that. That that Portis line right now is based on a 23.7 yeah. minute projection and it aligns pretty well with what he's doing. But going back to that game, too, if uh, I'm looking at Popcorn Machine, he was uh, 11 boards and 15 points in that game in his 32 and a half minutes in that loss in game two. So yeah, that's uh, that gets a little concerning if he's seeing a, a realistic amount of minutes there and an uptick. So just monitor the news, watch out for the fragility of it. And also watch out for the promos we have at no house advantage. Cause if you're signing up at no house advantage for the first time and use the promo code awesome, get a $25 bonus on your first deposit, get some free money to play with, enter a couple contests and maybe come in first place. Cause they do have some, a decent sized first place payouts, but let's hit on the second game of the slate golden state warriors on the road against the Memphis Grizzlies for the Grizzlies. No John Moran. He is out for expected to be the remainder of the postseason with a knee injury. I, I'm a little concerned about the long-term health of John Moran. And it's funny because we've said now, well, not we, but in general, there's been this, this narrative within NBA Twitter and basketball is that, that maybe Zion Williamson is, is, was the better prospect and more talented than John Morant, but we want job, but people prefer John Morant because he doesn't have health concerns. Well, John Morant has now had three injuries, three knee injuries over the course of his brief NBA career, including a knee surgery after his, his final year of college. The fact that he's now been ruled out for the remainder of this postseason with a knee injury. And also is, is this injury more, problematic than the letting on because they're saying it's a bruise and they've ruled him out for the rest of the postseason immediately he got an MRI for a bone bruise and they're like we're not going to reveal the results but he's not playing again a little sketchy yeah, to me it seems like maybe the injury is a little little more problematic they're letting on or maybe it's just something we're like we're probably not going to win and therefore that's the reason he's not playing in the rest of the postseason but neither here nor there there is no John Moran for the Memphis Grizzlies today that's creating a whole bunch of value although still the Grizzlies, they were really good with without Morant this year. They did go 20-5 and five without him in the regular season, so it's not like the Warriors were all of a sudden you know, 15-point favorites or anything. It's still slight four-point line. We're expecting it to be a competitive game, but there's a number of players that look like really good value options in the absence of John Morant. Terry, who are those guys? So the guy who stands at the very top of the board just sorting the uh, the Memphis side of things by probability is Tyus Jones uh, sitting here with a 97.81% probability on his assist line, uh, 96% on the PRA, 94 on the points plus assists. Kind of pick whichever one you want. Tyus Jones jumped up to 41 minutes af- after averaging 18 over the previous four games. Uh, so definitely plenty of run there, plenty of opportunity for him to cruise through a four and a half assist line. Alex has him projected at 7.71 in 37 7.7 minutes should be more than enough time for him to get that done uh, for the season. He averaged four 4.4 assists per uh, for 20 uh, in 21.2 minutes. And I can jump over and pull up his uh, 
per 36 numbers for the regular season. For the regular season per 36, he was averaging seven and a half uh, assists. So we're comfortably within range of that one, assuming that we uh, were correct about the minutes. And I see no reason that we wouldn't be correct about those minutes. So that one's a standout. And then just on, you know, virtue of a guy who's talented at, uh, at this category and will have plenty to do out there with the, the lack of the superstar, the triple J rebounding one, as long as he's on the court, as long as he doesn't foul out in the first few minutes, five and a half seems pretty likely for him. 77% on Alex's board. We're talking about a guy who averaged 5.8 in 27 minutes per game uh, over the re- course of the regular season 28.2 minutes uh, projection on the board for him tonight so i think that one's uh, within re- re- within reason as well also keep an eye on this memphis starting lineup because they went with steven adams last game and uh that's the best slate i've had of the playoffs so far uh if it wasn't for kyle anderson going nuts i was actually at one point in i think it was third in the big tournament on FanDuel with yeah. like like here's what i needed in the fourth quarter I needed Dylan Brooks and Andrew Wiggins to combine for more fantasy points in the fourth quarter than Kyle Anderson, if I remember correctly. And Kyle Anderson scored like 20 fantasy points in the fourth quarter, just the the worst way to lose. But that aside, if Steven Adams starts again today, uh, we're looking at very reduced minutes for somebody like Brandon Clark because Clark ended up really getting pinched by the lineup change. Uh, Let's see. So Brandon Clark last game ends up playing 11 minutes. If we're going to get 11 minutes out of Brandon Clark again with Steven Adams starting, uh, I'm going to be liking the unders there because Brandon, I know people really like Brandon Clark because uh, he played well in the postseason. But think we have to think about what the regular season rotation looked like for the Grizzlies. Steven Adams started, Jaron Jackson Jr. Jaron Jackson Jr. is probably going to make an all defense team this year. He got first place votes for defensive player of the year. And just because he got in some foul trouble in the first round of the playoffs, there's a lot of people like, well, Brandon Clark's better than Jaron Jackson Jr. It's like, well, based on two games, like we're forgetting everything that happened the rest of the season. But the same thing, Brandon Clark was not a big part of the rotation for a a large part of the regular season. Steven Adams was ahead of him. Jaron Jackson Jr. is really good. I think there's a good chance we only see 10 or so minutes for Brandon Clark. I know our projections don't have it that way, but assuming the starting lineup stays the same, I like the unders for Clark. Yeah, I mean, if you're doing that, if you're cutting him to 10 minutes, then yeah, with a bullet, I think that would jump up the board. Taking a look at where Alex has him, Alex has him basically double that minutes at 20, and he's still sitting at a 74% probability of going under that 19 and a half PRA. So that's already looking pretty appealing. The one thing I would throw into the mix in an 18.7 minutes per game average for the playoff so far, he is putting up a 22.1 PRA, which is several over that 19 and a half line. But that's, you know, that's with expectation of actually getting those minutes. So if we see any kind of news about those minutes potentially being cut, or even if we don't, you just kind of want to ride with Greg on that pick. I think it's a perfectly viable pick out there for, uh, for people to play. Yeah, and once again, just be aware of the starting lineup. I mean, considering how well Adam has played in a start last game, it's it's going to be the same starting lineup in all likelihood. So that's that's what I'm anticipating with uh, with Xavier Tillman falling out of the rotation altogether. Stephen Adams starting, just playing the bulk of the minutes there in the front court, alongside Jaron Jackson Jr. Of course, pending foul issues for Triple J. Uh, what else from Memphis stands out to you, if anything? Uh, the the slow-mo uh, PRA up at the top of the board, if we're sorting by the under, sitting at uh, 14 and a half. That's one uh, for the playoffs. He's averaged 18.3 minutes. 
and an 11.8 PRA so far. So Alex hasn't projected right around that 17.1 minutes coming in with a 10.6 projection. It's a situation where, yeah, if he gets minutes or has a uh, ridiculous uh, end of this game, then maybe he cruises through that. It's not a giant margin between what he's done and what that line is, but I think there's enough there. And he's a player that, you know, typically I'm going to be looking to target unders with, uh, with Kyle Anderson when he's out there. So I think that one's comfortable enough. I don't know if I'm as comfortable going for any of the individual category ones uh, for him. Yeah. And then, you know, something else with, and I'm, I'm actually for NHA purposes, I think I would just avoid Kyle Anderson because he was crazy on a points per minute basis last game. He didn't play that much though. He played 23 minutes yeah. and for Kyle Anderson to put up 17 points, eight rebounds, two assists and two blocks in seven or, or sorry, two steals and two blocks in 23 minutes. That's a pretty ridiculous box line. And I mean, I, I guess that we see this team do weird things with the rotation all the time. Like how often the regular season was De'Anthony Melton the chalk play because John Morant was out in multiple players. Where I'd be like, oh, De'Anthony Melton has to play. And then he just didn't. Mm-hmm. So you try to make sense of some of these rotations. De'Anthony Melton two games ago with John Morant there plays 28 minutes. The game before with John Morant, 26 minutes. The game before that with John Morant, 25 minutes. Surely logic would dictate De'Anthony Melton's a backup guard. John Morant is the starting point guard. You take him out of the picture. He has to play more minutes, right? No, he played nine minutes last game. So it's really hard to nail down this rotation is the point. We've seen that, you know, a lot over the course of the year where there'll be times where it seems like a smash spot for DeAnthony Melton. And then the minutes just aren't there. So I'm curious to see what that ends up looking like today, but I don't have enough confidence in the minutes to really want to take overs for Kyle Anderson or unders for DeAnthony Melton for that reason. Uh, But let's move over to the Warriors side of the game. And the Warriors are mostly intact at this point, at least in terms of their important players. We do have Gary Payton the second. He is out. Uh, Iguodala is out, but he also hasn't played in the playoffs. So now looking at the Warriors, Terry, let the people know which numbers look best in our projections when it comes to Warriors props. Let me see. You flip over to the unders here. Yeah, it looks like we're getting a little Kavon Looney action up at the top on the unders boards, uh, averaging 13.7 minutes per game in the playoffs. We've actually got him projected out to 16.8 and still coming in pretty comfortably under the 15 and a half PRA. Alex has him at 11.4 in the 13 and change minutes. He's averaging a 10.1 PRA in 21.1 minutes for the regular season. He was averaging a 15.3. So that's in line with the 15.5 is in line with the, uh, the what he did during the regular season in roughly five more minutes than what we're projecting him for. Does it get fragile around the edges if he gets a little bit more playing time? Absolutely. But I think that's one where, you know, we're kind of confident in that, uh, that 16 and change minutes projection over the last three games, 15 minutes, 17 minutes, nine minutes. So I think that's pretty comfy over there. Uh, you can take a look at the Kevon Looney one on the under, and then uh, let's see, uh, beat leads are not going to be playing Andrew Wiggins on the rebounding 85% or Clay Thompson on the rebounding 84% or Draymond also a rebounding prop sitting in the eighties. So all three of those looking reasonable, it's all just kind of around the, uh, the general expectation of what these guys would do. If we're correct about the playing time, nothing looks totally out of whack, but a four and a half line for Andrew Wiggins, we've got him projected at 6.4. He averaged four and a half in the regular season, and he's going to be getting a few more minutes than he got in the regular season, averaging 34.3 minutes over the last three averaged 31.9 minutes in the regular season. So there's reasonable expectation of uh, a couple of additional boards falling into his, uh, into his hands. And it's kind of similar with the other two guys. So any one of those I'd be uh, basically comfortable with after that, we start dropping into the thinner probabilities. 
Yeah, and by the way, I think the one, and I'm pretty sure you mentioned that, but the one we have to feel best about is, is the Looney under rebounds. It's yeah. Here's why it's inflated. He put up nine rebounds last game. The prop goes up to seven and a half. Do you know how far back you have to find for him to get eight plus rebounds? I would imagine it's a pretty far ways. March 25th. So he goes, he, he, so the prop goes up to seven and a half because he had eight, because he had nine rebounds last game. But you have to go back, you know, to a time when to Draymond Green being hurt to find the numbers that look the same for, for Looney, you know, prior to that in the playoffs, three rebounds, four, six, seven, five, one, one. I mean, come on, we, we got to be expecting an under here. So the loony, the loony under looked pretty good to me. Even with Steven Adams moving into the starting lineup, which you'd say, all right, maybe that's a more favorable matchup for Looney. I mean, Looney played 15 minutes. Is that more than he'd be playing previously? Sure, by a couple of minutes. But overall, over the course of the last, um, let's see, the last 10 games for Looney, he's playing 14 minutes per game and averaging five rebounds. Like, I don't really care that he got up to 15 minutes last game. It's not it's not that big of a difference from what we've normally been seeing from him. So I like the under there. And other than that, that's going to do it for us today, guys. If you haven't done it already, like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and we hope to see you guys later. We've got MLB Live Before Lock on the YouTube channel, NBA Deeper Dive, NBA Live Before Lock, which, of course, will be myself on that with Eric, as per usual, on Wednesday nights. So check out all that, guys. Good luck. Hope to see you later.